Coming to you live from the Cross Country Mortgage Campus in Berea, Ohio, this is Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Here are your hosts, Bo Bishop and Nathan Zagura. All right, let's do it live. On a Monday, is that better? Are you better now? Is yours better? Every time. I don't know. I don't know either. But it's great to see you. It's good to see you. Great to see you. Coach will be joining us in about a matter of moments. That's why we're early. That's why we're up here a little bit early for the kids. Got the RBS boys off a little early. Give them a little break. And then here we are. We're jumping on early. Coming off of a preseason game number two at the stadium over the weekend. Um, This is obviously a huge week last week. With, with, with the joint practices, to say the least, and let alone all the rest of it. Um, but then this game that was, you know, one where this was obviously primarily backups playing in this game, and, and that's the way that we kind of thought that it would go. Um, but now the, the real heavy lifting of getting this roster to a manageable number as you get ready to start the season. Yeah, and that's that's the goal, and we're going to have cutdowns by tomorrow and then another set of cutdowns the following week. But, you know, I think for the Browns, goal one, right, I think there were two important things to see in this game for me who was going to there were actually more than two but the two most important that actually have real meaning we'll take the receiver room out of that for a second because we're going to have to get to that and we'll talk about that but is Josh Dobbs capable of being your backup quarterback yeah I feel like yes looks good is is who's going to be the backup center I thought Michael Dunn played great Yelda Froholt also played great at guard next to Dunn and then as the center later on in the game. But I thought Michael Dunn showed without question that the Browns are very much have a capable backup center. Yeah. And I thought those were the two things that you really wanted to come out of that game with. You wanted to look at your receivers. And like I said, we'll, we'll go more in depth after Coach Talks. But you got, I think, what you wanted out of that game. You got some fun Cade York field goal attempts. Yeah. Where he just booted one from 50, no big deal. And then the one from 55, ironically, would have been good from 60. Yeah. It just needed a little more time to curve back to the left. But hit the upright, well up the upright, with great velocity. I Yeah, I felt like, honestly, like from 70-some probably would have been. Like it was, no it was problem. 15. It looked from TV, it looked like it was 15 yards up the goal, goal post. I mean, it was near, I don't know how long a goal post is, but it looked, how, how tall is it? What's this, the bar length? I don't know. It is, is it 20 yards? Bit. Is it 15 yards? Is that too much? I think it's – All right. Yeah, well, coach. we'll deal with Coach first. Here's Coach Stefanski. So we we don't have Coach, as, as it were. No. But we came on early. We did. We came on early. To hear from the head coach of the Cleveland Browns. To hear from Browns. the head coach of the Cleveland Browns. But, but we right won't. Right now. We yeah. won't. Others will. Um, not us. So he's – what for, for Coach Stefanski, all right, real quick before we get into the specifics, I just I have I just want have one thing that I just want to say. Okay. I think that that what what is going on right now in the NFL in preseason football is brutal. I think the games are brutal. I think uh, what you're seeing from an attendance standpoint is justified, and that because of where we are with football now, where you have the 17 regular season games, like trotting these out. The fact that this is what the league trots out is like, it's brutal. These are brutal watches. Like, we're going to pour, pour over it with a fine-tooth comb because that's the job, right? We're worried about the whole roster. We're worried about depth, the minutia of it. And for that, it's really interesting. But in terms of the average fan, that stuff's brutal, man. It's brutal, brutal. ball. It's, it's tough. It is a tough, tough watch. Tough, tough watch. 
it's not something that um you know when you think of it from the standpoint of like you have x amount of dates at home 10 games right because you have on the days when you have on the years when you have the nine home games you have one preseason game it's yep. the opposite the other so you have 10 dates this can't be a date it's, it's going to be it's a necessary unfortunately it's a necessary evil unless they turn joint practices into at stadiums with attendance but they want multiple fields so that multiple things can be going on so that's not going to happen either so the probably the way to do it is and eventually i think what will happen is you go to 18 regular season games you'll have two preseason games one home one away yep and and that will be like the first one one of them will be like the first one and one will be like the third but this second one is awful and it was it's not just what you saw with us on sunday the whole league is approaching the second preseason game that way I mean, I watched, yeah. I had the football on a lot this weekend, you know, just kind of in the background. It's tough. It's a really tough watch around the league. Yeah, it is so, very tough. I, and it's it's hard to – I don't know. I, to your point, there's no great solution because you can't broadcast the practices. I think real football fans would love the practices. I think about, you know, you and I were sitting out there. We were lucky enough to be out there last Friday discussing this, watching it live, and you see Jacoby Brissett in a seven-on-seven – dropping and throwing to Amari Cooper for two touchdowns in that session against Darius Slay. Yep. Well, that's what you want to see. Yep. Is that. Yep. But that's happening, you know, behind closed doors, which is appropriate. I get it. Totally. But the work, there used to be some work done in the preseason. Some work by the starters or guys who are going to make the team. And now it's kind of just like the back end of the roster survival. That'll be next week. And, yeah, it's guys playing for their football lives. And it's guys playing for roles on this team. And for Josh Dobbs to solidify and say, yes, you can trust me to be the backup quarterback if I need to be called on at some point this year. And for in Philly, Gardner Minshew is saying, hey, yeah, I'm still pretty good. And I probably could start for some teams in the NFL. Yes, he could. Yes, he could. That's kind of what this was about and guys fighting. And, look, get an opportunity for a cool story from the Philly perspective of – you know, Devin Allen, who ran in the Olympics in 2016, mm-hmm. was fifth in the 110-meter hurdles, ran in the Olympics in 2020 in Tokyo, was fourth in the 110-meter hurdles, hadn't played football since 2016 when he graduated from the University of Oregon. And he goes out there and hits you for a 55-yard bomb over the top where he's clear of everybody by 10 yards because he has a different kind of speed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he does. <laughs> and that's what we want Anthony Schwartz to do. And we haven't seen that from Anthony Schwartz yet, and hopefully we will at some point, but... That was that was impressive. And so that to me is there's a lot of fun stuff going on, I think, in terms of, you know, is it the quality of football that you want? Is it here's the thing from a Browns perspective, you can still watch that game and say, okay, like I know some of these guys I've been hearing about the Anthony Bell. I've been hearing, you know, Jordan Kunashik. I could watch that guy play all day long. Number 51. Mm -hmm. That guy hits. He's and so it's those kind of stories. Are they the most compelling? Is this the highest level of football? Obviously not. But there was still some good stuff that happened and some yeah. stuff that was meaningful, I think, for the Browns going forward. I think you got some answers to some important questions, and I think you didn't get answers to a very important question at wide receiver, which is, are we good enough at that position beyond Amari Cooper and Donovan Peoples-Jones? I just don't know if there are. It's hard to make an argument. I think other from what options. we've seen in, this far into it, um, and I'm sure that you know they're every bit as aware of it as I mean. You, you just watch. You watch the practices. You see the games. You just to me, if you're trying to put a team on the field that can keep your head above water, even do better than that in the absence of Deshaun Watson. But then when he, once he comes back, be able to compete with the with the Chargers and the Chiefs and the Bills and the Bengals to be one of those teams. I just think you got to be better 
than than we are right now than we've seen. Now some of it's injury, right? You know, Bell's injury hurt him coming in. Haven't seen The Rock in a long time. The Rock. The Rock. If you Fantastic. Um, and then and then with Schwartz, you know, banged up early, then a bit of the dropsies. So you just aren't seeing, you just aren't seeing that. So no, I don't think that that's there. But I, you know, the options aren't plentiful either. Uh, I will real quickly from uh, head coach Kevin Stefanski, A.J. Green cleared after a concussion protocol evaluation. Dalen Baldwin is in the concussion protocol. Perion Winfrey working through some things but is okay. Um, and then they talked about uh, Michael Dunn continue, uh, will continue to compete for a role at center. Thought he played well, which he did. Uh, Alex Wright, Flash, and then talked about Mike Harley Jr., very competitive. I thought Mike Harley oh. Jr.'s catch Look who's here. was one of the uh, – which didn't show up Staff in the stat hat. sheet because they ended up going, accepting the pass interference penalty where he got hit as he was catching it. The ball went up in the air, and then he went up and got it between two defenders. He's only 5'10", 180. He's not like he's a 6'4 guy. I like that. I like the little fire that Mike Harley Jr. showed uh, on that one. Yeah. I mean, there's 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 a lot there, but I but I sure o- overall it's tough. If it's you're not into stuff. the minutia, if you're not into of the, the roster, back into the roster, like cuts, like I am. Yeah. Well, you have to be right. You have to be the vast majority, you know, of, of the fan base is not going to be though, right? Yeah. I mean, so like it, that's that's part of the gig. You this is and this is why it's funny. I was talking to a buddy of mine from uh, Columbus today. He's like, man, will you and I? We, I got in, just barely came in before we started the show. Otherwise, I'd told you off air, so I'll just tell you on. Yeah. He goes, uh, he goes, man, Zagura's killing it. Like, well, loved nice. your, loved you and Jim on on sen- Sunday's game because you, yeah, well, you guys are killing it. But I mean, you you have an encyclopedic knowledge of the full eighty. So like, that's where I mean, you shine as big as you can shine in this one yesterday. So that's a good job out of you. But it is, it is, it's a tough, it's tough. So. We're, hopefully this third one, you'll have a little bit more, some more regulars in the third one. I think you will. I mean, look, let's be honest about it. You didn't have anybody on offense who was a principal player on your team other than Dearness Johnson playing. You didn't have anybody on defense. You had your top four linebackers were out. Your top six DBs were out. I mean, your top four D linemen were out. You mm-hmm. didn't have – that was not the team that you were necessarily going in to, to go with. And you'll be down to 80 by tomorrow. So we'll, we've dro- we'll drop – from initially from that 90-man roster, 85 last week, five more this week. It doesn't sound like there are any injuries that will keep somebody off, and then we'll go from there. Yeah, and uh, I'm also seeing this from Coach Stepanski's availability. Well, it's not which this would be very much on brand. Not ready to say how much each of the quarterbacks will play in the third preseason game. Um, Stepanski also on the balance, injuring risk to getting ready with Jacoby Brissett versus Chicago. We're working through the plan for this game. Not ready to say yet. So nor will he. So you, you're not going to get anything on that anytime soon. It'll just be something. That I thought he had said at one point. I thought he said Deshaun was definitely not. Deshaun definitely was not playing the rest of the preseason. And I thought he said that Brissett would play in this third game. But he's just saying how he's not ready to say how much they will or will not play. Yeah. Right. Or so it seems. Um, but, yeah, this is in terms of the guys that we like talking about and seeing, we know who they are. Right. You move yeah. forward, you know who they are. Um, all right, so over the course of the next couple of hours, a lot of fun for you. You'll hear from uh, some of the Eagles on their thoughts on, on what they saw. We'll go around the league as well. Um, also have some um, little bit, some bigger takeaways. I want to get into some of that minutia with you from the takeaways from the game. Uh, but I also think when you think about the history of this show, a few things have been, um, from a non-football perspective, if we spent more time talking about than we did Thrones in the original run, uh, we would have J.C. Treader come in yeah, studio sure with us with – for these in the summary of these long breakdowns 
he and I think the end up on there, he ended up with like all of the scotch that was made specific for the various he houses, sure did. which oh, was yeah. wonderful for um, him. It's great, wonderful for him. Yeah, I, ours got lost. Didn't see it. Yeah, still in looking. the mail. I didn't. I didn't get any. Um, still so I know, you know, and I like a whiskey from time to time. Yeah. Um. So, so this so it drops yesterday. You have House of Dragon dropping yesterday. Yeah. I my early sense is is that this will not be a show that we review weekly. Because I don't know that it's going to have that type of phenomenon to it. Uh, may I? We'll see. We yeah, got to see. It's, it's early. It's going to be an awesome story, though, because you're saying watching it. This is what struck me is that knowing, I don't know the journey. I know the end, right? Yeah. That ultimately they are dragonless. Sure. So how They're do we really blow some? How do here. we go yeah. from being you blew it, boy, ruling the world and having ten dragons, which makes you unimpeachable? Yeah. To not having that and, and basically being outcast other than, you know, the brother of Viserys and the, Danny. I mean, and that's yeah. – so how do we get there? That I'm interested that's how they fun. blow it. That'll, yeah. be, that'll be fun to see. As and it I turns thought, out, really one dragon is all you need. That's right. Let alone three. Three would be plenty. Or ten. Right. right. Yeah, let but alone. Really just one can solve all of the problems. But anyway, as you were saying. So I did enjoy the fact that – they did tie some things together. Like there's a scene in Game of Thrones where uh, they're talking about, you know, the Targaryens and say without dragons, we're just like everybody else. And they yeah. kind of call back to that here. They talk about the winter is coming and this is 200 years before even we get to the fact when winter actually does begin to come. Um, the Song of Fire and Ice. So I thought there was a lot of cool tie in so that, you know, it's going the same yeah. way. King's Landing looked great. Looked great. Looked great. The dragon pad or whatever they where they keep the dragons was awesome and the little dragon caretakers yeah. those guys reminded me of of like the guys in star wars or took care of the the big thing in job of the hut's place yeah i should remember his name i'm sad that i don't but yeah yeah like that was pretty good yeah it, they had a good stable it was a stable for the dragons that was a good stable they had there that they were taking them into um so i i thought it was great i thought the brother's the best Th that guy's got so much charisma um, that guy's going to have to carry it from a charisma standpoint. Some other people are going to have to open up a little bit. Uh, I was, from a positive standpoint, loved being back in the world. Loved the, the as soon as you heard the music, like they had, they whipped in some of the oh, theme yeah. stuff and that, that gave you all the feels. Uh, so I was back into it pretty quickly. I thought it was gratuitous far more than even, even at a throne. There was standard. one rush rough. Yeah. Very, there was very a patch that was pretty tough. Tough. Um, uh, the other thing though, that I think is going to be difficult is, in the previous one, I, and I think part of the reason that it was became a phenomenon that it was is guessing how it was going to go, right? Who was going to end up? And there were all of these houses fighting for it. Now we know where it ends. We don't know how it ends, but we know well, some people do. Some people have read it. it so there is a book about. He's oh yeah, this is all. Oh, no, yeah. I know he's he's, but I didn't know that he wrote from here all the way to Thrones. Oh yeah, he wrote all the prequel, full history. Yeah, oh yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. So I guess some people do know how it ends. Um, but just from the standpoint of for the for the rest of us, we know the end game here, and so you lose some of the. That was what was so fun about it is after an episode, like my God, is is this who this is? Like all that, so you will lose that. But the other people thing was, knew though. The book readers all knew through basically like the fourth or fifth season. Right, right, right. But I wasn't a book reader. Right, but you're and not I here either. No, I know, but I know the end because I've watched it. Sure. So I know where it ends. So that part is out. The other thing that is that I think is going to be a little more difficult is this is really just focused on one family. But it's going to have There's this. ancillary families that are going to be there, but for the most part, it's one 
because yeah. this is really the Civil War. So I think I'm, it, like, I'm pumped for it. I liked it. I liked I it. I, I just think it's yeah. not going to have nothing could be the phenomenon that Thrones was the last time. And I think I just don't know that this one will have the audience for it. Although I did see that they crashed the HBO Max streamers. Yeah, that crash. So that tells you that demand was it was high, was yes. pretty big, was yes. pretty big for it. So. Um, all right, lots to get to. As we mentioned, we will uh, go over the minutia, some of the many things that uh, Z took in from his perch yesterday calling the game with the great Jim Donovan. You have that to look forward to, which is nice. Looks like we have a little stock up or step up. Wow, it's like a throwback to me to the coaches Jeez. show, so that's fun. Uh, we'll go around fun. the NFL as well. Tom Brady back with the Buccaneers. You'll hear from Nick Sirianni on Jacoby Brissett and what makes him special. Go around the sports world as well. We're off and running on a Monday edition. Include the Browns Daily 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. The Bath Authority can give you the bathroom of your dreams in about a day. You can transform it into a spa-like experience. Wouldn't that be lovely? The Bath Authority makes it a reality for you at a fraction of the cost of the competitors. The Bath Authority is Cleveland's premier path and shower remodeler. They are experts and factory trained installers. You give them a call now, you get 500 bucks off your next custom bath or shower remodel. That number is 216-220-8399 or go to thebathauthority.com. It's where affordability meets quality. They have the largest selection of bath projects. They're all made in the United States. Keep your bathroom from outdated to outstanding. You need an acrylic tub that insulates, keeps the heat in. They've got that. Tub to shower conversions as well. Superior products with expert installers at thebathauthority.com. All right, as we uh, – players off today, Coach Stefanski uh, meeting uh, meeting with the media. He was asked – Baker was named the starter in Carolina. Uh, I see that he was asked about, about Baker for week one. And then classic Stefanski, we'll wait to talk about Carolina until we get there. I'm still in week three of the preseason mode. Probably not even aware. Yeah, he says he wasn't aware. Blinders. Blinders. Blinders Blides on them. all of it. Just he also said uh, it. Isaiah Thomas – who looks so good in the preseason mm -hmm. opener will be back. And I think that defensive end room has been interesting. And I'd honestly have to say Isaac Rochelle has been the best guy after the big three. I thought Alex Wright looked very good yesterday, but so did Isaac Rochelle. And that's two games in a row where he's looked good. That's just a loaded room. Winovich, Thomas, Chris Odom gets around the quarterback every time that he's out there. Curtis Weaver got a sack last night. I mean, you got yeah. eight guys who all look pretty decent. And I wonder if that's a room where the Browns would maybe have an ability to make a move. I, I, I am of the belief, I don't, I don't, it, it's, and it's easier said than done. And we don't know what any of these older guys have left. They haven't been in any camps. Nobody yeah. signed them, by the way. I don't know if any of them have anything, any juice left, but it does feel like our wide receiver room is lacking from a competitive standpoint. Yeah. Beyond Amari, beyond Donovan, I think David Bell will be fine. Even with Donovan, like he's but never had this on his plate. No, he doesn't even have a hundred targets in you his know, career. So a this incredibly is incredibly efficient throughout his career. Very, and I believe in him. I'm just saying, like Same. he hasn't had this on his plate. So yeah, I, I, yeah. But when you have like on the other side, it's Devonta Smith and and AJ Brown not playing, or you've got you know Jamar Chase and Chase T. Higgins, Higgins and Tyler Boyd, Boyd not playing. <laughs> right, it's different. You know. Yeah, and I'm I'm proud of Donovan. I'm I'm. I, you guys know I'm as big a Donovan Peoples-Jones fan as there is. Yeah. But we need more in that room. I agree. Like, if, if Amari Cooper were to get hurt tomorrow, 
or Donovan gets hurt tomorrow even. You'd still have Amari. You'd still have Donovan those guys. But then, like, I think Bell's going to be fine. I think he looks good. He made some nice catches. I think he should have caught that one on the sideline. Mm-hmm. I don't know what we have in Schwartz right now. No. I, yeah, I don't even know I, Schwartz well, knows I just what don't we think, have in Schwartz. I think you're at the – well, that you hit it. I think we're this far into camp. You may not know what you have, but you know what you don't. And so there's – at this point, I don't know that you could – can you trust Anthony Schwartz to go give you what he was drafted to give you right now? No. Not no. Right now. And that's not all his fault. Some of it's just the way that the situation's worked out. He's dealt with injuries. He's dealing with – obviously dealing with some mental stuff on the on the catching of the football right now. He's fighting it. It's yeah, very He dropped clear. one again yesterday. Right. I love that they went right back to him. They said, you're running the same route. We're throwing the same, same ball. ball. Catch it. And he did. He did. I right. like that. But we – But it's still happening, and that's – And it's all three of his targets were speed outs. Were 10-yard yeah. speed outs. Right. So, yeah, I think it's – I think it is – I don't, I'm not really worried about it. There's nothing else. Nothing else concerns me. I'm not worried about Jacoby Brissett playing 11 games. I think I know what that'll look like. Uh, I'm not worried about, you know, the people that are tied. Well, the interior of the defensive line now will be fine. He's safe. Uh, I'm not worried about anything else. Not worried about replacing Treader. Even Harris. I mean, it, you know, it's a step back, sure, but I'm okay. I think you're going to be fine. Conklin will come back at, at right tackle at some point, right? But I, in terms of real concern, very good. in terms of real concern, I, I do think the receiver room is a real concern. If, if you're trying to win the Super Bowl, you're trying to win it all. You're trying to put yourself in a position for when Deshaun Watson comes back. You're sitting at six and five, seven and four. Fingers crossed. I, th- I think an upgrade needs needs to happen there. Yeah, I think that's something that they're obviously you can monitor thinking teams around the league. But at the same time, you, I, I agree with you. I think there needs to be some type of an upgrade there. I think offensively, that's really the only question. I think your third tight end, you know. It's your third tight end, mm-hmm. but it's not going to be as good as Harrison Bryant last no. year. I'll tell you what. I think Nakia Griffin-Stewart's got a little juice to him. Back-to-back weeks with three catches. His blocking, I, I think if they were you know going to get on anything, it's his blocking, but he's competing with Miller Forrestal for that spot. It's not like Miller Forrestal's out there as a road grader. He's more of a pass catcher, too. Guy. He was a yeah. high school quarterback before Trevor Lawrence took his job. That's a position that isn't solidified but it's your third tight end so it's not the end of the world that it's not necessarily solidified but i i, I kind of like what i've seen from nikia griffin stewart it feels like marcus santos silva is very much a project that is not going to yield any fruit anytime soon but it's the wide receiver running backs overloaded i mean john we have the best one two we have the best one two three we have the best one two three four and john kelly probably is the best fifth running back in the nfl well and in a pinch felton could do it too right so like I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. an embarrassment of riches. We don't talk about Felton in the receiver room because it's not a traditional, you know, XZ receiver is, is not necessarily what, what he is. So, yeah, it's it's an embarrassment of riches at receiver. I do wonder if is there a tradable asset there that nets you a receiver coming the other way? There's several, but I don't know. It's just not a position where of great need in the league. Or value. Or value is the better way to put it. Which is ironic because we put value on so many things. We do everything that way, but it's just like we've almost stumbled into this absurdly great running back room. Yeah. You know, kind of have. Well, you got so. Dearness Johnson from a fishing boat. That's what I mean. That's you stumbled into you it. Ford. Draft a guy in the fifth round. Right. Kelly was a former sixth round pick of the Rams. It's coming to our system. And, and, you know, Stump Mitchell's a great, great running back coach. We've got a great offensive scheme for the run game. We incorporate so many things. And, and we've got a darn good offensive line. We got two good offensive line units. And, and I thought that was. Like if you want to make a takeaway, it, it, does any team in the NFL have a better second offensive line unit than the Eagles or the Browns? 
Those may have been the two best second-team offensive lines in the NFL. We didn't even have Hubbard playing, who we, we could have had out there, which would have solidified that unit even more. But the interior with Blake Hance and Drew Forbes and Yelda Froholt. Yelda Froholt, I thought, played great. And then Dunn at center. And then you got you had Hudson and you have Hubbard on the other side. That's elite. And then you flip it to... The Eagles, Dillard was a former first-round pick of theirs in 19. Yeah. Cam Jurgens, they just picked in the second round this year, and that guy's a stud, the center. Their entire second-team offensive line was all over 300 pounds. I mean, they're big dudes. And now they definitely ran the ball on us, no question. But it felt worse than it actually was. They only averaged 3.3 yards a carry against us in that game. It just – they ran it 43 times. Yeah. I mean, their first the first six possessions of the game were all – double digit plays or more you know and their last one ended at fourth and goal from the two and herb miller should have had that pick six which would have been what a play that would have been but you talk about that for on their side with Minshew, who played very very well and then on our side you had dobbs four offensive possessions for dobbs two touchdowns two field goals you go back to jake that's now seven scoring possessions with josh dobbs at quarterback for the cleveland browns seven yeah, yeah he's played really well four touchdowns three field goals he's played great yeah He's played great. Four it's crazy Minshew's not competing to be a starter somewhere. There must just be something uh, about his I My theory demeanor. is that I just think it's the look and the character of it all. He's very think, good. Yes, he is. Yeah. Yeah, he should be starting. He's better than the two characters in Seattle. Yeah. he's. I think he's better than Mariota in Atlanta. Definitely. He's better than Mariota for sure. Definitely. I'm not sure he's not better than Dan Dimes or better than Wentz. Wentz for sure. I'm I'd take sure. him over Wentz. I, Dimes, it's hard to know. He's been put in a lot of bad spots. I'm but. just surprised people. Yeah, nobody's given him a shot. But he's a perfect backup for the Eagles, and he's a guy that look so much for them is going to be based on, you know, what does, what are we able to accomplish here with Jalen Hurts? What can can he win from the pocket? And I thought that was the thing about Dobbs yesterday that stood out to me was there were a couple times where it was third down for him in the pocket. And he was able to deliver a pass from the pocket to move the chains. And I thought that that's what you wanted to see. Is he an electric athlete? I, I think that was very clear. He scrambles for, you know, the 36 yards uh, and, and is able to get out of that sack and set up that first touchdown where he drops the snap and picks it right back yeah. up and gets gets in the touchdown. Tony Romo somewhere saying, man, I was so close to that on that on that playoff game when he dropped the snap <laughs> on a field goal. Um but you go and you look. At, yeah, it was third and eight at the 42 from the pocket, 22 yards to David Bell. Third and six from the 32. That was incomplete to Bell, but that should have been caught. That was a good ball that he put right on him. Um, and so that was, I think, one of the things that they wanted to see is to be able to get some opportunities where you had him in a third down situation where he had to win from the pocket on a third and medium, third and long. He does it fourth and six, for example, from the 45. He hits Jamarcus Bradley for eight yards to get that first down. I, I loved seeing that. I thought that... He showed a ton. And, mm -hmm. and as I said in the pregame, after getting to talk to him, what a likable young guy. And I'm thrilled for him. I thought he played very, very well. Highly intelligent. This is an offense that suits his skill set very, very well. And I thought he delivered a great game once again. Yeah, I think you've, you feel pretty good with, with him and, and Jacoby at the top. And, and that's the way you'll go until uh, Deshaun comes back. What, what shoes are those Scarlets wearing behind you there? Look over your left shoulder. What are those shoes? I've seen him sporting those around. I don't know. Is that a Nike? 
Feels like it has to be. Yeah, right? it's a Nike. I saw a swoosh on the front of it. Yeah. yeah. I've never seen that shoe before. Uh, give me the – let's go over the kind of the timetable for this week. So you've got players off today. Uh, Tuesday you get the second set of roster cuts. So you go from 85 to 80 by 4 o'clock tomorrow. And then you'd practice Wednesday, Thursday, Friday this week. And then Saturday the final preseason game against Chicago. That is at 7, and a cl- 7 o'clock rather at that. And then from there – your cut down day used to be used to play that Thursday cut downs on Saturday. You'll have till when to get to 53. 53 is the following Tuesday. The following Tuesday. So you have that. You got to go think about that. Five off today. 85 to 80 yep. by tomorrow at 4 o'clock. And then 27 off. And then 27 off by week. the next Tuesday. Yeah. So a week from tomorrow, yeah. 27 guys off this roster. So huge practices at the end of this week. Um, we'll spend a lot of time on this as, as the week goes along, just trying to give you an idea of kind of where we think this roster breakdown will come from, what position groupings. Um, but I'll tell you that that running back one is crazy. Yeah, that's a crazy room. I, because, you know, John Kelly can play. It's two straight preseasons. I mean, he can play. He's not gonna. There's no way. But it's he can play. He's a pro. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So that's that's just part of that deal. Ford's, I think, even better than they thought he would be, and Dearness is so proven. And then the first two are the first two. So those are things to pay attention to uh, over the course of this week when we, as we get into the practicing that will take place, as we mentioned, uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday would be the big practices, and Tuesday as well. And Saturday with the Bears, you close out the preseason. All right, coming up next, we'll hear from Coach Stefanski uh, from his availability from a little less than a half hour ago. You have that to look forward to, which is nice. You listen to the Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Bo here for my friends at Renew Home Exteriors. Upgrade the look of your home with new siding from Renew Home Exteriors. Receive $1,500 off on free insulation wrap plus 0% interest for qualified buyers. In addition, Renew Home Exteriors will meet or beat competitors' estimates by up to 10% or pay you 100 bucks. Here from their customers, Sean had this to say, Renew Home Exteriors has a very professional and punctual crew. What a great experience. Quality work. I would use it again and recommend. Beautify your home with premium siding and roofing products at lower prices with Renew Home Exteriors. Visit RenewEstimates.com for more. And now here's Coach Stefanski at the podium from earlier in the hour. Now we transition to Chicago week. Uh, like I mentioned, we're going to go to a regular season schedule and get our team ready for what that means from a uh, game plan standpoint, from meetings changing a little bit. Uh, we'll still do some competitive periods at practice, which we would not do during a normal regular season. So it's going to be a hybrid of a regular season schedule while still getting some good work in uh, offense versus defense. Uh, but with that, I'll take any questions. Uh, yeah, Kevin, do you have any updates for us on, on AJ Green or, uh, you know, Perry on Winfrey or the injured guys from yesterday? Uh, yeah, AJ Green was cleared. Um, Dalen Baldwin is in the concussion protocol. And then Perry on is working through uh, a couple things. Well, he'll, he'll be okay. Thank you. Hey, Kevin, um, regarding Joshua Dobbs, like when you're evaluating him as a potential number two who could have to step in week one, like how do you balance what you see every day in practice and then the preseason versus the fact that he really hasn't played much in the regular season? Yeah, for me, Scott, it's a body of work. Uh, so it goes back to the reps he gets in pr- practice, how he does in the meeting room, what he does on the game field, obviously. Uh, in terms of career and, and career attempts and those type of things, 
uh, really just focused on on what he's done uh, with us. Um, you know, I mean, he's been in the league for a little bit. Are you surprised that he hasn't gotten more of a chance to play? Well, I think a lot of times that's circumstance, uh, you know, if the starter uh, is playing quite a bit. Hey, Kevin, a Cade question for you. I mean, I know when we've talked to him a handful of times, he's brought up the fact that sometimes he'll make kicks and he's not happy with how he hit the ball. And then the 55-yarder he missed yesterday, he mentioned, you know, that he felt he hit it pretty good. I guess just for a rookie to kind of have that attention to detail and nuance with the way he's approaching his craft, just how important that is, especially at the position he plays. Yeah, Ashley, I think it's true that he, he really does work on his craft. Uh, and I, you know, exactly what you what he mentioned to you, he mentioned to me and us in terms of how he hits each ball. I think you, you take each ball in, into account. And uh, so he, he's very conscientious about working at it. Uh, and, and it's going to be a process. And it's a process out here on the practice fields. It's a process in these game settings, just trying to continue to uh, ascend as a young player. Thanks. Hey, Kevin, we're this backup center job we I kind of obsessed with that. Uh, so, Michael Dunn, how did he look, and how do you see that unfolding? Uh, yeah, I think it, it definitely is unfolding through practice and games. I, I think all of these jobs uh, are are fluid, and, and guys are battling for roster positions, and we don't have to set the depth chart uh, for a while here. So he'll continue to to compete at that role. I thought he played well yesterday, Jeff. I thought he uh, plays hard, as he always does. He he finishes, uh, plays with the right uh, amount of tenacity and, and and playing with clean technique and those type of things. So uh, he, he always gives us an honest day's work. Uh, hey, Kevin, I wanted to ask you about Alex Wright. He's getting a lot of opportunities with Miles and, and Jadavion not playing in these games. So what have you seen from him early on? Yeah, I, I think I think he's flashed, Dan. I think he's done a nice job in practice going back to the last couple of days uh, versus the Eagles versus some really good tackles. He had some good rushes. Uh, and then in the game, he's done a, a nice job. He's he's made plays. He's a young man. Uh, a lot of this is new to him. You know, just the NFL game, the speed of the NFL game, uh, some of the things we're asking to do schematically. Uh, but he, he's done a really nice job. And, and then just, you know, with Miles and Jadavion, what do you think it's meant for him? I mean, he was telling me yesterday he just learned so much from those guys. He calls them almost player coaches. What, what do you think he's picked up from those guys? Yeah, I think any young player uh, – is doing himself a disservice if he doesn't watch the vets in front of him and learn in terms of how they study, how they prepare, how they practice, the different techniques they use. So he's fortunate to have a couple veterans there and Miles and JD that have played the game at a really high level. Yeah, Coach, I want to ask you about a couple of guys. Uh, first up, Mike Harley. It, it seems that injury to um, uh, that you had a punt returner uh, – seems to like open a door a little bit. So what have you seen from uh, Harley, not just as a receiver, but in the return game here? Yeah, Mike's a, a young man that has, again, given us some really good reps, both at receiver, wanted to see what he could do at returner. And, uh, you know, that'll be a continue, continual evaluation uh, with Mike, but a very, very competitive player, as you saw in that catch the other uh, yesterday. Uh, really fighting for that ball and it was not going to be denied and then had a couple other nice plays in that game. So doing a nice job. And uh, Stump Mitchell, you know, we asked you about Nick Chubb and, and Kareem Hunt and the patience thing that Stump uh, talked about. It seemed with John Kelly yesterday, we got the quintessential patience style of running from him, especially on that uh, touchdown. Just what have you seen from him and 
Uh, how would you describe him as a young runner? Yeah, I think with patience, there's different run schemes and different run types. Uh, and so patience is going to look a little bit different on a wide zone than it is on a gap scheme, like the touchdown run that, uh, that John had down there. And that's, you know, that's one of the, everybody runs that play, you know, we call it duo. Some people call it crunch. Uh, that's the Le'Veon Bell play over the years where talk about patience, you know, really biding time behind the line of scrimmage, waiting for your, your read at the second level to commit and then making your cut. So I think for John, he's had that play uh, in practice. He's had that, playing games and I think it's it's a continued um, evolution for him to make sure he's putting the ball in the right spot. Hi Kevin just wondering how will you balance uh, with Jacoby Brissett in the uh, in the last preseason game injury risk versus sort of the dress rehearsal and getting him ready to play the season? Yeah I think that's really the, the balance Mary Kay for every team when you're playing your starters versus not playing your starters in these games it's something that we talk about uh, every year and really talk about every week and just trying to make the right decisions for your team. Uh, I don't know that uh, anybody knows exactly what you need uh, week in and week out. It's just, you got to kind of go with what's in front of you. So do you think that you'll, will you play him, you know, in the olden days, it was like three quarters for a dress rehearsal. Do you think you'll do something like that? And did you see enough of Joshua that you don't necessarily need to see him or one quarter might be okay this game for him? We're working through uh, the plan for this game, Mary Kay, so not ready to say exactly yet. Uh, but you're right. Uh, in, in those olden days, uh, this was the game where people played, you know, through the first half, maybe into the third quarter. Uh, but we're not ready yet to say what, what our plan will be. Hey, Kevin, I wanted to go with a couple of other rookie D linemen. But Isaiah Thomas, it looked like his hand was in a cast. Is he going to be able to play with, like, padding on that? He should be able to play, yes. Or do you expect him back this week? I do. Okay. And uh, with Perrion, how did you think he played before he went out late? And you talked about his technique early in camp. Have you seen him getting better at that? Yeah, I, I definitely getting better because he's working at it. But like most rookies, not consistent enough yet. Uh, and that only comes with time. It just comes with, with working at it before practice, during practice, and after practice. But uh, certainly seeing uh, flashes of Perrion using his technique, he just has to get more consistent. Hi, Kevin. Uh, three quick questions, three different players. One, uh, Alex Taylor played every snap. Was he just last man up or was there a reason for that? In, in a lot of ways, yes, Tony. There's a, I mean, Alex did a nice job uh, and any, you know, a credit to him for playing that whole game. Uh, but there are, when you're resting guys, there's limitations to how many guys you have up. And MJ Emerson left the game. What was his injury? It was finger, but he's okay. Okay. And last one, D'Anthony Bell. Um, he looks like he's made an impression on everyone. Is that correct? A good impression? Yeah, I think, you know, you go back to the Jacksonville game, obviously getting the ball out, did a nice job. Uh, you know, I'd go back to what I said about Perrion. He's a, he's a rookie. These young players who haven't had a ton of reps uh, to date, they're going to make mistakes. And, and it's the, the old, they got to make it once and, and correct it. But he, he's certainly a guy that's working hard at it. Thanks, Rob. Hey, Kevin, Coach, like you, Coach Sirianni said, those guys got a lot out of those those few days, what have you. Have you booked the Eagles for season next year already? We talked about it. You know, you got to see how the schedule shakes out and all those type of things, but wouldn't bother me going back to Philly for a few days next year. And since we have some breaking news, I just wanted to ask you, uh, Baker Mayfield was named the starting quarterback for the opener, which kind of spices that up a little bit. Just wanted to see if you had some reaction. 
I didn't see that, Tom, but uh, I think we'll wait to talk about Carolina until we get there. I'm still in the week three of the preseason mode. All right, there's Coach from earlier within the hour, my friend. Yeah, real quick, a uh, little bit Please. of news from around the league that it may or may not have had an interest from the Browns standpoint. The Vikings have just announced they've traded a conditional seventh-round pick in the 2024 NFL Draft to the Raiders in exchange for quarterback Nick Mullins, the trade pending Mullins passing a physical. Stidham was the backup there. Mullins was a guy that was likely to become available, and you have to wonder, would the Browns have wanted him in the mix back here again along with Josh Dobbs? He was good you know, last year. I thought he was very good in that Monday night game and, and certainly was good, knows the offense, uh, but you'll, I think, be able to take that out of uh, – that's, <laughs> that's off the table now. He will end up in Minnesota, and, and quite frankly, we have already done a few deals with Minnesota, and, and we might be able to do so. Um, so we'll uh, – We'll see. Let's do a quick stock up, step up uh, here coming out of uh, preseason game two. This is back of roster stuff. Who's, whose stock is up here heading into heading into the final week of the preseason? Josh Dobbs, without any question, his stock is well up. And then I'll take two, two offensive linemen, Mike Dunn and Yelda Froholt. I talked with Bill Callahan earlier today. He was so pleased with both of their performances. So I think their stock is certainly up. And then um, – those probably are the big three coming out of this game. We didn't get to see the punters, so that competition, we really don't know how that goes. Corey Bohork has had an opportunity to pin them back inside the 20. A little bit too much on it. Ends up going into the end zone. Um, so that was one in terms of the jobs that actually matter. I still think we are in search of a return guy. Uh, I think that's pretty apparent. Um, if Mike Harley can do that, it certainly helps his chance of making the team. He only had one kick return. I think 19 yards mm -hmm. didn't get a chance to return a punt. There weren't really many punts involved in this game. So those, yeah, I'd say to stock up the main ones would be those guys. And then, you know, I, I think defensively they're coming out of that game. I don't know that there are a lot of stocks that necessarily went up, you know, Rich account had a ton of tackles, but he missed a couple of, of yeah. egregious ones. Same with Tony Fields. Um, I, I would say Parnell Motley, I thought battled hard. The catches that were made against him were very much contested catches. Yeah. The, the ones that weren't, he got a, a nice PBU to get the Browns off the field on a third down. Um, you know, Herb Miller put himself in a good position to make a pick six and didn't, didn't complete the whole thing, but was in a nice spot there. Alex Wright, Isaac Rochelle. Those are two guys I would say as well. Isaac Rochelle, I think has been a, a pretty pleasant surprise and he, he's a veteran. He's been in the league for, you know, his entire career, five years. It'll be a sixth season, nine and a half career sacks. I don't know. He, he looks he looks good. He's stout against the run. He's two hundred and eighty pounds, but he's shown the ability to get to the quarterback as well. On the Baker on Baker being named the starter in Carolina. Yep. That is um a game that will be only seen in these two markets, would be my bet. They'll be seen in these two markets, in the Charlotte market and in this market. And I would say, I think you'd make an argument, for a game that will only be shown in two markets, the give a damn of those two markets in that game could not possibly be higher for teams who are not rivals in really any other way. Be massive. Be <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be I mean, massive. It's just gonna be in these two markets completely dialed in, um, and even more interest than normal. And in the in the rest of the league, this is it's a ho hum, right? It's a ho hum opener. But they for put everybody the number, else, like it's, it's gonna be for us and them, crazy. Aditi is doing the sidelines for that game, and she said that the, it's Spiro. I think it's Spiro Didis. It is. For it's the like first the number two six games, CBS by team. the way, that crew. It's the number six CBS team. 
the number six CBS team. Is, see, that's what I mean. Here, but I can tell you. I assure you, the number, the rating number in this town, and I'm not sure if they go up against Bengals that day in Columbus or not, but the two two of the bigger markets in Columbus will be percentage of eyeballs on. Enormous. Large. Spiroditas and Jay Feely. That's always with Jay Feely. Is yeah. your broadcast crew for week one. With the Didi. Week two. Yes. So that's I don't the know if she's team. week two. I don't know if she's. So she's not sidelines the whole season. No, oh, correct, okay. but I think she is. Okay, so potentially yeah. that, that's how that would go. Um, yeah, that one's going to be – I mean, it's just – it's hard to wrap your head around the way that that played out. There is so There is going to be so much personal animus in that game on both sides that it is going to be – it, it's going to have a lot of juice. Hotly contested. It's going to have a lot yeah, of juice. Yeah, it will. It's crazy. That That's just crazy that that's where he ended up, and the fact that you open with him uh, is a. It's just a remarkable thing. So, yeah. not. I'll tell you what isn't remarkable is him winning the job. That was very, very expected that he would beat out Sam Darnold and win that job. Um, so, what begs the question? Here's what I. Here's what I don't understand about the whole thing. Okay. I know that he would he was going to beat out Sam Darnold. There was no doubt in my mind. Why did they also trade all those assets to get Matt Corral, who's now out for the year, but then also trade for Baker? And I realized they didn't have to give him up much for Baker. Quite frankly, it was a, a, a makes a pretty no, no, no risk no risk deal move for, for them. Yeah, they did give up quite a bit to get Sam Darnold. Then they did on the hook to, for eighteen million dollars to Sam Darnold, but. It feels like a move that was made because the coach's staff is desperate to be mediocre and thus hopefully save their jobs. They will not have the benefit of any point in the year putting a rookie in and saying, oh, well, we're playing our future. That's off the table now. Yeah. And it doesn't, from a long-term planning situation, if you don't believe Baker's a franchise quarterback, you've made investments now in Corral, who may or may not be, but I mean, from a long-term planning standpoint, it's a fail because your, your roster is one that if you didn't have Baker and you just played Darnold all year, the rookie Matt Corral, you maybe could play yourself into a Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud next year in the draft because the roster is not that great. Yes. So you could play yourself into something like that. I think you hit it. It, it. This is a coaching staff that's feeling a ton of pressure to win and to show ownership that they know what they're doing. And the reality is is that Baker will win games. Yeah. He's going to win some games. Like, is it is it going to be enough for them to pass – the Saints in that division, uh, you know, are they are they better than they're better than the Falcons if they stay healthy? I don't think they're not better than the Saints, but and they're certainly not the Bucks. But you know, can they if does if they go eight and nine, nine and eight with Baker, does that does that do it? Does that save a job? So that I think right. that's how they got there. Uh, is that point? Matt Corral kind of fell in their laps. He just kept didn't he drop in a dropping. And they they like traded up did. to get him. They gave up assets to move up. Sure, to take but him. it was it was like third round. Third round. It? Yeah, yeah. So they came up in the third to get him because yeah. I mean he was a guy who thought a lot of people thought would go in the first. Dropped all the way to the third, and then the other kid, the kid from Carolina, Sam Howells at Washington, he fell to like the sixth, didn't he? Yeah. And he's been good in preseason. So, yeah, it's it's tricky, but no, that's I think you nailed it. That's connect it the dots. That's why that happened. End of the third round, they moved up to pick number ninety four. They gave up a 2023 third and a fourth this year, a fourth yeah. in this year's draft. Well, that also goes to pleasing ownership too, right? I mean, Corral played at Ole Miss. Let us get our hands on him. Like, there's a lot of angles I think that coaching staff in front office is playing to keep ownership happy because Tepper does not have patience for a lot yeah. from what you read about stuff down there. Um, all right, do we have the Hoff next? Is that coming up next? The oh, Hoff. Baby. 
The Hoff is coming up next. Pure Joy, Cleveland Browns Daily, 50 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Elk and Elk, serious lawyers, serious injuries. Call 1-800-ELK-OHIO for a free case review. Elk and Elk's a proud partner of your Cleveland Browns. And now we head on the hotline for a visit with the Hoff. The Hoff. Hoff. Pure joy. Hoff, when you screamed pure joy yesterday, I mean, that is an apex uh, Browns <laughs> daily what a word moment. usage. I was so thrilled uh, when you did it, my friend. We thank you for that. Uh, did you have fun yesterday? I had a ball, man. It was one of the more entertaining preseason games I've ever seen or been a part of. I mean, offensively, it was back and forth, long drives. We saw a lot of guys make some big plays for themselves, namely Josh Dobbs. I thought David Bell did a nice job outside of that one drop he had. Alex Wright, he had a big game. And I even got a chance to throw in a little bit of copious. Copious, copious notes so good. were being taken and thrown out there during the broadcast. Uh, it was <laughs> it was definitely a pure joy broadcast. It was a good and after the 55-yard touchdown to Eagles, from that point, from the start of the game to that point, it was really good. After that, eh, not as great. We didn't get to see what we wanted, obviously, which was to hopefully get Rosen to lead it down and get Cade York a game-winning field goal opportunity. We didn't get to see that. But I, I, you go back to Josh Dobbs. You said he stood out, Hoff. I, I, what I liked, and I'm curious to see your thoughts. I, we know he's a tremendous athlete. He showed that you know, in the escape, the 36-yard run, running it in. But – I thought there were a couple third downs where he had to make a play from the pocket, even a fourth down, fourth and six, and he was able to do it. And I thought that was the most encouraging part of everything that we saw from Josh Dobbs. Yeah, I think we saw him throw the football accurately a little bit more down the field than we saw in training camp even really, and then certainly against the Jacksonville Jaguars. So um, it was a big step for Josh Dobbs. I think his teammates believe in him and, Obviously, you hope that he's not going to be playing in the regular season because that means something has happened to Jacoby Brissett. But you got to feel pretty good about him as your backup for those first 11 games of the season after what you saw yesterday and what you've seen throughout training camp. And I think one of the things that really impresses me that I always look at when I'm kind of evaluating younger quarterbacks is decision-making, right? Because typically that's kind of what the position comes down to. Everybody that makes it to the NFL can throw the football and spin it a little bit. But it's making those quick decisions. It's not being paralyzed by the moment when all of a sudden the pocket's breaking down and you got to make a decision. Do I throw it away? Do I try to take a chance on the field? Do I escape the pocket? Which way do I escape the pocket? And Dobbs just continually makes the right decision. And we had Paul DePodesta in the booth with us uh, in the third quarter, and that was the first word that he came up with. And, you know, you're sitting there in the booth and you're talking about Josh Dobbs, who's, who played a great first half. And you keep saying the same things about him. Oh, great decision, great decision, great decision. And it's almost like you feel like a broken record a little bit, but it's deservingly so because I, on that long run that he had, I mean, he could have thrown it away. He could have run out of bounds, but he makes the right decision to go tippy-toes, tippy-toes, let me see those tippy-toes down the sideline. <laughs> and instead of running out of bounds, he extends the play. He's just a fun guy to watch and a fun guy to root for. Huff, I think one of the uh, cooler things from the broadcast is when you guys had Paul up there, you and Chris did, and very clearly, I love how you and Chris, by the way, are going about it. It's 
it's like two buds watching a game. Like it's it's a really fun listen. Um, but but when you guys had Paul up there, you you got some pretty direct insight into. And I, Nathan, and I have talked about this before. We wish Paul would talk more because it's well, just the one you feel like you learn something. Yeah, you really real. come away going, "Oh, I see." You know, this makes sense. We we always tease him when he comes in here. Well, we're about to get smarter. Um, and as you're talking to him, you, you really understand how he views Brissett too. There was a really good exchange there. Um, what did you learn with that conversation with with Paul DePodesta yesterday in the booth? Yeah, spill the beans because I didn't get to hear that. I was in the booth right oh. next to the Hoff, so I didn't get to hear this. So yeah, talk to me, Hoff. Uh, that's right. So we always have a production meeting the day before the game with our producer and, and the other talent. And um, we were talking about, oh, we're going to get Deep Podesta in the booth. And, you know, at first, Rosie was like, okay, you know, coach, usually scouts, coaches, you're talking to them in the game. They're very guarded. You know, they're not really going to give you much. Yes. And yeah. he kind of, you know, made some mention of that. And, and, I, and I jumped in and I said, whoa, we had Paul on last year. And he's fantastic. Like, he comes from a baseball background. His background is not with Bill Belichick, military, Iron Curtain secrets. Like, he's actually going to talk and give you his thoughts and kind of give you a window into what they're thinking about. And and he did that again in the game. And I, I really love listening to him. He does a fantastic job thinking about your questions, and he thoughtfully answers them and tries to give you something that really, you know, is you can take away. And I think – when he was talking about Brissett, they were talking about sort of the evaluation process that they made with him and going all the way back to when he was in Indy and how they feel like breaking down his film that truthfully, like there's a lot of conversation about Garoppolo and rightfully so because Jimmy G had a great career, but they really, really liked this Brissett, not only his ability yeah. to, with leadership, but his accuracy, his decision-making, the way he takes care of the football and, how he fits with what Kevin Stefanski wants to do in this offense. He's a good athlete, but he's a big athlete, and he's very difficult to bring down. He does some of those things that Josh Dobbs does where he can get outside the pocket. He can put you in a bind on the defensive side of the football, not knowing if he's going to take off, he's going to try to scramble, or if he's going to dump it off and try to throw the football. And they really feel like he's a great fit for Kevin Stefanski's offense, and and they're really they're, they're not picking up the phone about any other quarterbacks out there during – Deshaun Watson suspension. Joe, as we go back to your position of note, the offensive line, I thought quarterback was one thing we needed an answer on. We got that. I felt like in Josh Dobbs rather enthusiastically. Offensive line, could Michael Dunn be the backup center? Uh, I thought he was great. What did you think? We didn't really get a chance to talk offensive line the entire broadcast because they were nearly flawless. Actually, the, the one time that I – pressed the talk back button to my producer and said, hey, let's talk about the O-line this play. Turned out it was the one holding penalty they had, so it was not exactly <laughs> the great time to highlight the right side of the line, but they did fantastic. Like There was hardly any times during that game where the pocket was collapsing or they were missing uh, free – or they were allowing free rushers to the quarterback, so they were solid. And then, and then you talk about their rushing yardage. I don't have the stats in front of me, but almost 200 yards rushing. They had all sorts of – rushing lanes opening for Dearness Johnson and Jerome Ford and then uh, John Kelly when he got in there. Like, they were running the ball consistently with all three of those guys, and their offensive line looked great. Now, granted, this was not the, the Philadelphia Eagles starting sure. off a defensive line, which is among the best in the NFL, but when you're talking your seconds and your thirds and they're going against the other team's second and thirds, that's a pretty fair matchup, and it's a pretty good way to evaluate how well they're playing. And Michael Dunn, 
did a great job as a center. I think he answered nearly all the questions because he was flawless. And the one thing you worry about the most is the snap. It was something that you didn't have to worry about all night. He has 32 carries, 174 yards, two scores on the ground for the Browns, 5.4 a carry in that game. Uh, and, and I just want to ask you, because for me, when I was watching Dunn, what I wanted to see, and, and I'm hoping you can explain to the great people listening why movement skills are important for the center in this offense. And we got to see him in the screen game. We got to see him get to the second level in some of the tandem blocks where he would then get up and meet the linebackers to pave a bigger hole for a play downfield. And then they ran to the right and had him actually pull from the center spot. And he got a huge block to spring the running back on that one. Those movement skills, why is that so important, especially with what we like to do on offense? Mm -hmm. So this offense, requires your center to be a good athlete in two big ways one when you're running outside zone and you've got a shade or a nose which uh which means the defensive tackle that's over the center is moved towards where the ball is being carried so if you can imagine if i'm the center and the ball is going to my left i've got a defensive tackle nose guard on my left shoulder now i have to reach that guy so that means i have to take my hat my helmet and get it to the outside of that defensive tackle which is very difficult because one i gotta snap the ball first so the ball's got to go between my legs before i can really start moving which puts you at a disadvantage and two when you're playing the center position you're the closest guy to the defensive line which means you have less time before you're making contact so you got to be able to reach that nose and that was a big reason why alex mack was kyle shanahan's favorite and why he brought him to atlanta and then he brought him to san francisco because he was really good at reaching that shaded nose guard, which is what you need to be able to get an outside zone play started. Without the ability to get your helmet to the outside of that nose guard, if he penetrates in the backfield, it forces an immediate cutback from the running back before the rest of the blockers are prepared. And what happens is then basically you're just trying to get back to the line of scrimmage and prevent a negative play. So you've got to be able to get that play started by reaching that nose. The other thing is we run a lot of pin pulls. Like, when I was playing yep. for Shanahan, we didn't run a whole lot of guard and center pull plays. Like it, they were in the playbook, no doubt, like everybody else. But we didn't feature it because we were so good at just running the regular zones. But with Wyatt and Joel, who are both really good pulling guards, we run a lot of those pin pull type plays, those toss cracks, the old Packers sweep plays. And we'll pull our center. And JC was really good at it. Nick Harris, tremendous athlete, really good at being able to snap the football and pull around down block. And if you can't do that, it really limits what you can do on those pin-pull plays because now instead of getting your center out and around, what you have to do is you kind of have to cover it up by either reaching with your backside guard, which is a hard block, because now he's got to lose ground and then run and catch up and get in front of that nose guard that's on the backside. Or if, depending on the front, now you have to have your front side guard and your front side or your center blocked down and then you have to have your backside guard pull. So he's got to come from another space further away from the play. So he's going to be slower there. And a lot of times when he's slower to get there, that means the linebacker is a little bit faster because he's closer. And when you're making contact on the offensive side of scrimmage, that's a bad thing for the play. You want to be able to yeah. get your shoulders facing downhill beyond the line of scrimmage before you're making contact with that linebacker because it just opens up the hole so much further. So it really puts you at a disadvantage if you don't have a center that can pull around and has that athleticism. And I think what we saw from Michael Dunn was he absolutely has that athleticism to reach a nose and to be able to pull around and get into the alley on those sweep and pin pull plays. 
Hoff, are we good enough at receiver? Uh, maybe. <laughs> I know that was, I, I that was pretty succinct and to the point. I just yeah. very direct. Yeah. Oh, I, I I think uh, David Bell played really well, and what we saw from him was like a savviness of, of almost a five six year vet playing that position. The way he used body control, the way he would set up those receivers and then find that open space to allow the quarterback to throw into those windows. Um, you didn't like the drop that he had. But I think there's definitely things to build on. I think Schwartzy made a really nice catch on the sideline, made you feel good, but then he had another drop. And yep. it's about consistency and confidence with him. Um, and then outside of that, you're, you're kind of still going, Ugh. like, I want to see Amari Cooper and DPJ play in this offense with Jacoby Brissett in that third game, which I think we will. And then I think that'll answer a lot of questions about can we live with those two guys, David and Joku, potentially Harrison Bryant getting in the mix a little bit more, especially as a detached tight end, trying to take advantage of his size with some matchup problems. And then who's going to be that third guy? You know, David Bell, maybe Dalen Baldwin. Maybe it is Schwartzy. We saw him with a, an end around in the game, which I think is an, could be an important part of the offense. But you're, you're still not feeling as settled as you wish you were going into this third preseason game. Given that, would you be looking at one of the veterans who was available, or are you trying to you know, poach somebody that is cut off of another roster? If you were looking for somebody else that you felt, all right, I know can go out there and contribute to our team you know, right away. I made mention of this on the broadcast that if you look at the Eagles receiving room, they got a lot of receivers. I mean, they got yeah. guys that uh, would be in our top three or four that are maybe going to get cut. Uh, and you look at our running back room and we got five dudes that are legit, like good can carry the load potential starters in the NFL. You're only going to keep three. I mean, maybe do you keep four? I, I don't know. It's going to be really tough. So you're cutting dudes that are starters for some other team. And whenever you have that type of situation, it's only natural to start looking around the league before cuts happen to say, Hey, guys, this could be good for both of us if we do a little swap here because we know that we can't keep all these players as much as we like them. So I, I think that potentially, especially depending on what happens in this last preseason game, there might be some movement between the final preseason game and, and that first regular season game. If nothing else, to put somebody else in the mix to try to like start to give them some opportunities and see what happens in that room. Hoff, I wanted to ask you about um, the, the the way that the we, this is our second year now with the seventeen game season, the three preseason games. There was a, I mean, it's fun for us because we're doing this show, right? And so we're into the minutia of the roster, the back end of the roster. Um, but we've seen pretty tepid responses around the league from a fan perspective, not just here, but around the league. Fans not show, showing up for these games at a high high rate. Uh, it, it was a lot of bad ball, to be honest. Like I had it on in the background for much of the weekend. It was a lot of bad ball. How would you, if, if you were Kevin Savansky, you're the, how would you approach this? How would you approach this preseason window with these three games spread out the way they are? And then a pretty decent sized break before you play games that count. Yeah, I think that he's approaching it in a, in a really smart, heady way. I think 
Um, a little bit of action in that first game. Second game, probably not as much because you got a lot of good work in those joint practices, which I wasn't there, unfortunately. But listening to you guys, it sounded like it was very spirited and they got a lot yeah, of great yeah. work. I know the coaches were really happy. It was pretty intense. I mean, probably more intense than any preseason game that I ever played in. For sure. Um, and then the third game, it sounds like the starters are going to get a fair number of reps. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how much game plan stuff they throw in there. I know typically in preseason, everybody likes to be really vanilla until you start getting gashed. Like in the game uh, yesterday, Joe Woods' defense was really having a hard time stopping some of those quick in-breaking slant routes and hitches and stuff like that because Gardner Minshew is very good at that. So he just sits back mm-hmm. there, and they're just running RPOs, and there's huge windows because our secondary is just sitting in soft coverage. And so eventually Joe Woods said, screw this. I'm not just going to sit back and let you beat me seven yards at a time. So he started blitzing a little bit. And that's when all of a sudden the defense started getting some stops. And, of course, Minshew left the game, so that had something to do with it too. But, like, coaches always have that game plan. Ah, we don't want to show anything. We want to be vanilla. But then when their team maybe is not playing as well as they want, then they start throwing a few more things at them because, in the end, these guys are competitors. So it will be interesting to see how much game planning goes on in this third game. But I, I think one thing the NFL really could do that would be good for the game and good for the fans would be to take these joint practices – and almost make them like the preseason game. Put them in the stadium. Like, put them on NFL Network. I, I know coaches hate that, and they're going to be absolutely against it. But don't give them yes. a chance. Like, <laughs> why should we even care what they have to say about it? Like, look. I agree. Those practices, they're going on TV. Sorry. It's going to be basically a game because that's what you guys have made it as far as the structure of the schedule goes. And the fans are going to love it. I, I think make it a dollar or make it free let them come in and you're going to make tons of money on the tv rights because those are good on good games and fans by and large we love watching one-on-one pass rush we love watching half line we love watching all of the things that they're doing in these joint practices and we wish we had more access to that type of stuff joe we were, were watching it last friday amari broke free of darius slay on consecutive routes yep. in the red zone for touchdowns with how many three five yards of separation in both i mean it in was a red zone drill, in red zone drill significant uh, it's a, yeah i mean it was so that what what we got to see and nathan and i were the only ones who got to see and describe it was was everything that you would want right it's everything you'd want yep. yeah well every, listen they weren't even happy with browns live like the eagles coaches they thought and browns yep. live is shot so tight you have no clue yeah. what the formation is you can really just see the quarterback <laughs> in the ball you know nothing about what's actually going on but yeah coaches do not like that, that that information because i think they're willing to maybe show a little bit more in a joint practice than they would for things that are out there you know on full display in those games yeah. it, it's tough i i don't know what to say uh, i don't know what the right answer even is but it, it does feel like that would be a more compelling television product than what we are currently getting. You know, I yeah. tried to watch last night because I was waiting for, for Game of Thrones, and I was just like, all right, get to 9 o'clock. So I threw on a little bit of the Ravens and the Cardinals. And mm-hmm. Other than the pregame, which was Jay Glazer saying, you know, that the Ravens have made an offer to him that was more than Kyler, and Lamar <laughs> said no, and he wants more guaranteed, and he doesn't feel like a deal is going to get done, which was interesting. As soon as the game started, I was like, and the Cardinals' black helmets, while cool, they just look like the Falcons now. So it was also, <laughs> it looked like, and they were in black jerseys. I mean, they look like the Falcons. 
I was talking to a guy last week as a quick aside on that when the on the because I said what are the Cardinals doing here? What are we doing with uniforms? And he goes, I never thought of this. He goes, they just got to take the bird off the helmet. The bird's the anchor. You're trying to build everything around that bird. Just forget the bird. And I thought that you might be onto something there. You may be onto something. I don't there, know that I've ever seen a cardinal in in beautiful Paradise Valley. It would feel like it would be hot climate for them. It, feels, it would. Yeah. It would. Yeah. Well, look, so we got one more, Hoff. This is, I mean, it's pretty crazy. We go from 85 to 80 tomorrow. Yep. And then from 80 to 53 by next Tuesday, Joe. You've, you know, with, when you're off, you don't have to worry about these type of things. But you've been in rooms with guys who have. What's this like this week? It's tough. One of the things that I hated that I turned into towards the end of my career is, like, you become – distant with your teammates until you go through that cut down because yeah you form so many bonds when you have 80 some guys on the roster and you're in that room with 15 linemen and there's a little bit of turnover in training camp but for the most part you go through four weeks and you're seeing the same guys for 15 hours a day and you get you form some pretty good bonds and all this and same thing with the wives and the girlfriends and all of a sudden you cut down to 53, which seems like it happens instantly, and you're looking around in the room, and there's like seven linemen left. Because usually you, you, you cut down to seven or eight from 15, and then you'll bring a guy or two back from practice squad. But that guy a lot of times is turning over. And honestly, it was like emotionally draining at a point where I'm supposed to be thinking about like blocking Terrell Suggs in week one of the season. And I was like drained that all my friends were getting cut and, you know, yeah. they were all upset because they might never get another chance again. And, like, it was it was, it was a really hard time being in that building because you f- do form these good bonds. And, like, the safety mechanism for me, and I, I talked to a lot of other vets, they did kind of some of the same things subconsciously was you just don't let yourself get as close to some of those guys until you have that final cut down because after doing it for eight or nine years, you're just, like, emotionally can't handle that going into the season. It reminds me of growing up, you know, and being around all of my brown spotteds, and I knew I, could, I can't get attached to them. You can't let the kids get attached to them. You know, it's a, it's, it, 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 we know how the story ends for the brown spotted sometimes. Speaking of the brown spotteds, we had one harvested uh, Thursday last week, and uh, this was the first one we named. We have not told the children yet that Jack is dead now, but uh, I'm wondering when we bring that up, probably after – a bite of a juicy hamburger that I think no no <laughs> never never Joe you're gonna From, end up with hold no on, hold on. not during the meal there's they'll an, never eat beef again no not during the meal there's an incredible episode of You'll South Park fish for the rest where, of your life where which Scott, is fine but Scott Tennerman does a great disservice to Cartman and Cartman responds by presenting at the end of the episode Scott Tennerman with a with a meat pie that turns out to contain Scott Tennerman's parents, and he reveals this to him <laughs> as he's eating the meat pie. Oh, and then he licks up the tears of unfathomable sadness. And you only want that in a revenge situation. If you don't yeah. want that just like, yeah. oh, that was a good burger, but it was my pal Jack, and now I'm devastated. <laughs> no. Yeah, yeah never. I, the way to handle oh. that, Hoff, is say, well, Jack ran away. Jack ran, Jack ran away. away. He got away. What happened to him? He got away. He's oh. on the knees on the, the great Ponderosa in the got- sky. We got to get a better fence. Right. That was always our line. Right. He must have ran away. And then we stopped naming the animals. Were you alarmed at how many animals had run well, I, away? I mean, it wasn't a... my younger brother was. So he was he would start to get attached to him, but I young, learned at a young age to not yeah. get attached to them for how it would end. So, yeah. That's yeah. well when we had the butcher shop too right there on the premises, so we just did it all there. 
Yeah, that's a full day. Yeah. All right, Hoff. Good talking to you, buddy. What a treat. Great it's job. It's 225. It's fantastic. Time flies Love when you're having fun. Pure <laughs> joy. That pure was pure joy. joy. Thanks, buddy. Great job, you and Chris. It's Thanks, awesome. Guys. All right, the great, the great Hoff, Joe Thomas, joining Man. us there. On the hotline, Rumkey Waste Recycling, family-owned and operated. With you join them as a customer's employee, you'll become part of the family. Visit Rumkey.com to learn more. You listen to Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. The land on demand is now free in the palm of your hands during the entire month of August. ESPN Cleveland, the Bath Authority, giving fans free access to the land on demand for all the news you don't want to miss. See us live in the brand-new studios. Replay all your favorite shows commercial-free and on-demand. Get all access to Tony Grossi's Browns analysis and more. Visit thelandondemand.com or download the app today. The Land on Demand, remodeled by the Bath Authorities. We go around the league. Tom Brady returning to practice today. Saw some images of that. Apparently was not on the Mass Singer. Was just at the Ocean Club but with his family for 11 days, and that was it. A fine resort. Fine resort. Yes, had a couple meals there just this past March. I know you've stayed there. Yeah, the um, got married there. The yeah. Club. yeah, yeah, it was very nice. Uh, they have nice. villas. Yeah, off, they do. But, you know, I think most you think about it, you think about like the scene from Casino Royale and just that little part that's right there. But there's actually villas no, that are separate. Yeah. yeah, sure. He did just fine. so he just wanted to take a vacation. So I think what I heard Lock and Ford talking about this over the weekend, it sounds like what it was was like, or maybe, no, it wasn't him. I can't remember. It was one of the NFL guys was saying, you know, kind of connecting dots that maybe this was something like, hey, we're going to go on a family vacation before you guys all go back to school. Maybe he made a promise before, you know, he decided to unretire and thought he should keep his promise. So that's the way it's being spun. He's gone for 11 days in the middle of camp. He's Tom Brady, but like, what are you going to do? Here's the thing, too, is that there have been in the past so many guys who never did anything in camp. I'll even take in our own building, J.C. Treader, for the last couple of years due to injury, obviously, but wouldn't really participate in camp and then would go out and be a stud in the season. And he is not the GOAT. This is the GOAT. He is going to be ready to play yeah. when it matters. It's just so against his brand because it, his brand is he's out-prepared like everybody forever, and so it's just against his brand. Um, I also think the other thing is, is like, you know, the Glazers owe him a pretty big one. Look where the franchise was headed before he decided to randomly go there. What did you make of the stuff over the weekend with the Raiders? Did you see that with Dana White? I need a 30 for 30 on this. So why is Dana White brokering a deal? Why is that deal then shut down by John Gruden, who was given, if we all remember now, like, what was it? Like 10 years, a hundred million dollars or something, 10 minutes to be the all end all be all. So where does Dana White fit it into this, and why? It was the craziest damn thing. So this happened Saturday night. If you yeah. if you haven't seen this story, it happened Saturday night. Yeah. It starts to come out that, that Dana White was brokering a deal yep. that had Tom Brady going to play for the then Oakland Raiders, or were they already in Vegas, on their way to Vegas? On their way to Vegas. On their way to Vegas Raiders. 
that that's where he was going to play. Him and Gronk were going to go, by the way, that's a pretty good fit. He and Gronk were going to go play for the Raiders in Vegas and launch the Raiders franchise, and Gruden said no. That's Dana White's side of the story. At what point is Tom Brady going to get to a microphone and somebody say, hey, Tom, why don't you tell us about Miami? How did uh, – can you tell us the how tampering. that went, yeah. the tampering what was there? Your role in that? What was your role in the tampering? Uh, Tom, how close were you with the Raiders? You wanted to play in Oakland. By the way, that's maybe the – remember we were collecting the dots where he's like, oh, you're going to stick with that guy? I mean, that I, we always thought that was Jimmy G. Well, right, and where, we, Tom, what was – everybody at the combine thought you were going to the Niners. Right. So where did that come from? Right. It wasn't out of thin air. He's got to answer for some of it, I would he's think. Not he's gonna not going to say anything, but no. the questions will be asked. Will they? I don't know what – yeah, because there will be some national people there. It won't be on it. And I don't blame the Tampa Bay people. That's a tough one. You gotta you gotta continue to to work with him, but the I would say that the national people will get to him, right? I mean, those are pretty pertinent. Which of those spots? I mean, he won a Super Bowl in in Tampa, so you're not doing better with that. But the fact that he was think about all of the th- irons he had in the fire. We know for a fact he had Miami's iron in the fire. We know that he went to Tampa. There was yep. all the smoke about the 49ers, yep. and now this crazy Raiders won. He went to the right place. Easy division, easier conference, good young team. I mean, it ended up working out really well he for won him. Won a Super Bowl and That's was what I mean. a, a Stafford bomb away, a blown coverage yeah. away from probably winning another. It feels like this was his last choice, but, but it's it probably out. best. Smart, yeah. You know, yeah. The Raiders yeah. would not have been a great choice. Dolphins would have been a fine choice, and that would have had, I think, given him some real. Well, they wouldn't have had all these guys, though, if they would have had him. Because a lot of what makes him attractive is the guys they've drafted the last two years. Well, dudes just want to play with him, though. They do. They do. But they, in terms of, like, their receiving core and stuff, some of those, like, Waddle was drafted last year. Like, you know, they wouldn't have an ability to draft those guys because they would have won more with Brady. Sure. The Raiders setup is, would have been, I think, the coolest from just like the look of it all, like him in a Raiders uniform in Vegas, like all of that, but also from a roster standpoint and the division, it's pretty brutal. Yes. You know? Yeah. That would have been rough. Yeah. So, and then back home in San Francisco, that would have been, that would have been pretty sweet. That would have been the dream. That's what I wanted. That's what I would have loved to have seen, but apparently no, I think this whole thing is, is too fascinating. There needs that we need answers. We're not. You need legitimate get answers. You need We're to not have. You need to have at some point. Here's what happened. We're not going to get them. You know this. I'm also very curious. Like, what did the last couple of conversations with Belichick look for him when Kraft was trying to keep that thing together? And they they ran a couple of years back. It sounds like Brady maybe wanted out earlier, and they ran. You know, Kraft got him to run a couple of them back. Imagine brokering that. And that's one of the reasons, don't you think, that they sent Jimmy G out of there was to try to buy more time? For sure. They gave him away for eight cents on the dollar. Yeah. To buy more time. Yeah, of course. And Belichick was. No, there's lots a lot to it. Nonplussed. Yeah. Not too pleased. No, not at all. No, it was. Yeah, that's a fascinating it's, it's, one. It's only good. the biggest story with the biggest face of the NFL of the last 20 years. Yeah. I like that he was just at the Ocean Club. That's great. He's just taking a vacation. What are we talking about? Practice? <laughs> I mean, that's the thing, too, though. Let's be serious about it. A lot of these guys get days off in training camp. The Hoff didn't need training camp. No. Three days. Tom Brady three doesn't practices. need training camp. Mm-mm. He's got Mike Edwin. He's got Godwin. You know, they brought in Russell Gage. He's got, it's 
Cameron, the tight ends, Cameron Brate's still there. Fournette's still there. I mean, he's worked with these guys. He's worked with that. Now he's going to need a new center. Their center went down early in camp, but it's Tom Brady. He's going to be, he's going to be just fine. Yeah, yeah, for sure. At some point, I mean, you can't. I, I don't think you can play quarterback to your fifty, but maybe he can. He can pull it off. It does. It does create the question of. I mean, we've already come back a lot from what it used to be. The big, the big thing, though, because you hear people say this, there's a lot of get-off-my-lawn people that say, why aren't they practicing? Why aren't they hitting? Why isn't this? Why isn't this? Well, let's remember that the reason that training camp was initially put in place is because it took six weeks to get these guys in shape Yep. because they didn't have personal trainers. They weren't on fitness regimens. They, it wasn't something where they were ever not in shape. The, go, go ask Deke about going to Hiram and all that stuff. And, and what that was like, I mean, he was, his offseason, Deke was playing basketball. They'd go play basketball around Northeast Ohio against yeah. police officers. I mean, like, it was a different world, man. Like, you had another yes. job. Like, these guys' job is their body. So when they come in, there's nobody that that's, that's that far out of shape. No. They probably don't need six weeks to get ready to play a football game. No. They really don't. Certainly not a quarterback. No. And I think. I mean, really, that's what the preseason and training camp. I mean, it's timing. It's all of that stuff. But most of it is about seeing if you find diamond in the rough in the back end of the roster. And that's really what the most majority of it's about. And sorting out if you happen to have some position battles on your team, sorting those out. That's it. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Other than that, not much. Um, all right. Nick Sirianni. Go ahead. You have one more thing? I was just going to say, and the opportunity to get some big field goals for your new kicker. That was the most – I don't know if you were still watching at that point, but that was the most buzz the in the stadium that... for the 55-yarder. Like, there was an electricity in the stadium right. for that particular field goal attempt. The 50-yarder had electricity, not like the 55. Yeah. And, and then I was – he crushed it. He crushed it. But then I was – then he hit the thing, and it was like the wind went out of the sails. Like, yeah, oh. Yeah. Uh, 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 uh. Mm, not great. I just wish it went through the middle because I think that was good from 70. Like, I would We love figured to... out it's 11 yards – the top of the, the top of it is eleven yards, thirty-five yeah. feet. It's almost so he he was eight feet. To me, they seem bigger than that, don't they? Thirty-five. That's a lot. Thirty-five feet. That's three stories. Three and a half stories. Yeah, I guess that's true. Oh yeah, I just confused. Yes, yeah, eleven yards. Okay, yeah. So he was good by eight yards. He was good. To, he was eight yards up, eight or nine yards up the post. Yeah, but still going. So like, oh, of course, it doesn't mean yeah. it was like dropping straight. No, back. it was. Yeah. He's, he crushed it. I need a physicist on that one, but I'm pretty sure that that was good from 70. I think he had another 15 yards on that ball. Felt like it to me. Here's the thing. And, Gibbe, you've been up in that vantage point a lot longer than I have. But when you watch most people kick those long ones, and even even the Eagles kicker, who's got a nice leg, he was three for three, I think, on 50-yard kicks last year. Jake Elliott was the Pro Bowl kicker for the NFC. Like, those 50-yarders get up, and then they just kind of, like, float through. His – are missiles the whole way like it gets to there so fast relative mm -hmm. to others kickers i'm i would imagine if you stop watched his kick from 55 to the time that it hit the upright versus other kickers in mm -hmm. the league maybe not a justin tucker or you know a prater guys with obviously big legs it's it's so much faster his ball through the uprights than anybody else's would you agree with that Gibby? you've seen it a lot more than i, I am from i there. feel like from where i watched the game when the 50 or 60 yarder, it's almost like a line drive. Uh, his it's not, it, it, and it's fluttering. not this guy. I, that field goal post was still shaking when we came back yeah. from break two minutes later. It was still shaking. Yeah, he bombed. I mean, it was a bomb. It was, it was absolutely a bomb. 
Um, I noticed this yesterday when we were out there at the joint practices, Nick Sirianni, with a lot of really nice things to say about Jacoby Brissett. We're going to play some of that for you coming up next. You're listening to Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Rumpke Waste Recycling, family-owned and operated. Whether you join them as a customer or as an employee, you'll become part of the family. Visit Rumpke.com to learn more. Yesterday, uh, last week rather, we were doing the show in the same tent as the uh, Eagles video team, uh, media yeah. team. And so as we were doing the show, uh, I heard uh, Nick Sirianni talking about Jacoby Brissett in, in very, very nice tones. And also Blowing. Jacoby was on the television broadcast uh, on the sideline with the excellent Aditi Kinkabwala, and she asked him about this as well and the, the relationship that they had. Here is uh, Coach Sirianni about Jacoby. He's the best. I, I still – I still have my kids asking him. But he's just a. My kids still ask about you. How's Jacoby doing? Um, my wife still asks about him. Like, like he's just, he's just a great leader and a great guy to be around. Um, and and so I, and I always thought this about Jacoby. And I, I guess I'm not really supposed to be talking. I don't really want to talk about other, other people's team. But Jacoby and I are close, and Jacoby is special to me. So I don't mind doing this with him. Um, and so I just always thought thought of him as just such a good leader um such a good teammate such a great guy to be around every day uh, I, I really those are the things that really stick out for me and then and then his, in his play um yeah, i don't mind saying this like i just always thought this this is a strong strong man uh the way he's able i i just close my eyes and think about a play that he made against denver um in 2019 uh vaughn we're on a two-minute drive to win the football game and um, Vaughn Miller comes through on a stunt free, and, and we're backed up. We're on about the four-yard line. Jacoby just, you know, Vaughn Miller's one of the best players of all time. He, Jacoby gets him off him, scrambles to his right, and throws a uh, tight rope 40 yards down the field to T.Y. Hill, and to, which helped us win the football game in that, in that sense. So I just can't say enough good things about Jacoby Brissett. I, I love the man. You see um... – and then you listen to Jacoby and you, you listen to Coach DeFancy, you listen to Paul from the television broadcast. They're good with him. They are. He's uniquely it's, positioned to handle all of this. He's kind of the perfect guy to handle all of this. I think this. it's hard for people to understand on the outside how much the Browns like Jacoby Brissett. Now they will either be proven correct in their yeah. assessment or not. That's for the games to be played. But they are incredibly pleased with him. On the field, in the locker room, they are incredibly pleased that he is their starting quarterback. He's the one that they wanted, and they like him more now than they did when they made the decision to get him, which they were thrilled about. And I've had talked with Paul DePodesta myself about him and, and how much they like what he brings to the team in this offense, of course, his leadership. And they talked with Sirianni. They talked with Frank Reich, who is the head coach of the, of the Indianapolis Colts. You know, Chad O'Shea was with him in New England. So – there's a lot of knowledge about him from people that Kevin Spansky considers to have very good relationships with. And he's been better even than advertised. And he was advertised as being an excellent teammate, an excellent leader and an excellent quarterback. And so they're, they're very excited about him. And, and now, you know, we're going to get to play live games starting September the 11th in Charlotte against the Carolina Panthers. And that's going to have a lot of juice. That's going to feel like a massive game. And you hope that he's able to come out there and deliver for you. And, and the Browns certainly believe that he will. I mean, the, he's he's never had, you know, in all of his stops, he's never had a situation quite like this from a supportive ground game perspective. Yep. Um, and so, 
you know, he's going to be in a position, I think, really to thrive. And I think just his mental makeup, you know, the the idea of, a, you know, a lot's been thrown at him. I mean, yes. the luck – wasn't he the guy when luck retired in the middle of yes. it? All of a sudden now he's co- quarterback in the Colts, and that could have been something that was – you know, that's a lot that comes into that situation where you feel like luck's going to be the franchise, and all of a sudden he's not, and you're thrust into it. So he was thrust into it with Brady – with the suspension as well, wasn't he the quarterback when Brady was yes. was bounced? And so, then Garoppolo got hurt, and he had to play on short notice on Thursday night, and, that's and right. won against and won. the Houston Texans. Yeah, so he's been he's been through a lot, and he looked good. Like like Z and I were saying, you know, we certainly are aware that you guys haven't got a look at him yet this in the preseason. And while we're saying all this, obviously, there's a reason that when Deshaun Watson comes back in Week 12, that the way you go, and it's Watson's right. I mean, there's a difference, but there's also. Um, Jacoby's more than capable. He was really good last week against the Eagles. He was yeah. very, very good in those games. And I anticipate that that he will be very good by the time you get to games that count. Would yeah. you blame Saturday? I think what we've seen from Dobbs gives you a little bit of comfort, but I think it's important for him to get out there and throw some passes in a game action. But, you know, it's a series. Hopefully you have one good series. He'll probably do what Jalen Hurts did for the yeah. Eagles in their preseason game one where he marched him right down the field. He goes, I think, 6-6 six six for 81 yards, scores a touchdown, and then that's it. That's all you need. So hopefully he has one good drive, and we can move on. But if you're he's always out worried there, about chasing you want, it, aren't you? You want your O-line out there. Yeah. Don't you want Cooper out there? You want – do you want Chubb and Hunt out there? Probably yes, and but those things come with some risk. You you always worry in the preseason of chasing going out on a good one. Like we've seen that where like you have a bad yep. one and then like, oh, give me one more series and one more series and you end up chasing it a little bit. Still so much more to come. You'll listen to Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. So you you do have the new Madden? I do. You do? Yep. Early review? I, I've only downloaded it, and I've spent maybe five seconds on it yesterday okay. after the games uh, when I could finally relax a little bit. Yeah. Looks great. There's a cool thing. They do this John Madden thing at the beginning that's really cool. And Yeah, a little so, bit of nostalgia. Yeah. Yeah, you get thrown right into a um, a game that's like basically two all Madden teams, NFC and AFC, and you got like an NFC Favre's your quarterback. You got Jerry Rice. Oh, that's Randy fun. Moss. Um, yeah, like Reggie White, Lawrence Taylor on the D line. It, it's yeah. It's so cool. all those guys are in the mix. They're all in the mix. That's pretty cool. So that's pretty fun. You play that game out, and then you kind of can go in and you can do the my team. You can you know you can do all the different things that you want to do, or ultimate team, whatever. They call yeah, it. yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's funny. The it feels like the two K world was so far ahead on that with like the old school players. Like the kids know all those guys. Yeah. And the football that's not quite as it's not to that level, but maybe it'll get there. It's been pretty good, but you'd have to be deep into ultimate team to know that. Yeah. Yeah. Have to really yeah. get into it. Which is there is, a ninety nine Hoff in there? I'm sure there will be at the end. Yeah. Yeah, we'll need that. All right. Cut downs tomorrow. Five more down yeah. to eighty and then uh the final week. From that point on, ending with the Bears on Saturday. The next level is coming up next. Thanks for listening, everybody. Cleveland Browns Daily, 850 ESPN Cleveland.
You've been listening to Cleveland Browns Daily, a production of the Cleveland Browns and ESPN 850 WKNR.